Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages. It is us, your entertainment factory of society's rejects. It is I, your host, Game Goblin, along with... Darth Blasphemous, hail to the dark side. The moniker back again, you git. Gazep come back from the skies. And before we roll the intro, I actually do... Have in mind that I'm going to actually introduce this week's topic, which is we're going to get really confrontational with the cunt trollers. Ah, wordplay. Who are trying to denigrate us gamers and have absolutely no fucking idea what they're talking about. And today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, me. Intro. Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. But you say he's just a friend. You say he's just a friend. Oh, baby, you got a disease. But you say he's just a friend. <sighs> Wish we had a funky piano in here. I know, right? Anywho, today's topic was inspired by a news article I saw come out this week, which is that some preacher down in, like, Tennessee or Kentucky or one of those fucking backwoods states... Wait, well, you said preacher? Preacher man! Oh, okay. A oh. preacher man! Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Pass the Kool-Aid! Pass me your daughter. I No! Always go for the pastor's daughter. She's always the weirdest. I wonder if they're talking son of a preacher man. I, do, when when somebody becomes a, a preacher and they get ordained, do they become pasteurized? Pasteurized? <laughs> pasteurized? Well, they're definitely not um, homogeneous. Uh, anyway, this individual he wrote down one of the goofiest fucking things I've heard in recent years, and of course, wow, that's let's, let's preface this. God has seen a lot of crazy shit. I have seen a lot of crazy shit. And, and if this takes the I am supposed to be living in the future like a stone's throw away from having flying cars already. I mean, we've sent people to the moon. We nuked Japan twice, and the second time is because we wanted to. Ow. Of course, now there are our friends, and we're all buddy-buddy, so I guess there was a little bit of forgiveness in there. It's just, you don't go there on Pearl Harbor Day because they will fuck you up. Deservedly so. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Oi, freedom, freedom, freedom. Oi. Oi, oi, oi. Freedom. <laughs> Regardless, we have done massive achievements in, in many different uh, variable forms. I mean, for fuck's sake, the Black Plague now, the Bubonic Plague, oh, just get a shot in the ass and you're taken care of. Done. Yeah. For life. For life. But this is the shit that wiped out like a third of the known world at the time. Or polio. Or polio. Which is coming back, because... Anti-vaxxers. Yeah. Dipshits and fuckers. But we're not the blunt force doctors. We're not the blunt force doctors. If we were, it would be rusty spoon surgery for, you know, getting rid of that kidney stone. Yeah. All right. Uh, Painful. Now bite down here on this leather. <laughs> All right. You know what you need? You need a woodpecker. <laughs> oh, let's see. You, you got a... Oh, I see what's going on here. You've got a Charlie horse going on your leg. Guess it's time to amputate. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just put a tourniquet around your neck. That'll take care of everything. <laughs> I saved 50% by not needing to buy a left shoe. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> so you cured the infection of my left arm by amputating the right. Blood force doctors. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, this, this fucking preacher dude has the audacity to get Harry Potter successfully banned from public libraries. Here's why. 
because it teaches children real magic. Wait, hold on. Banned from public libraries, as in... Are we talking... Because I don't know the As story. in you can't go into the public library and check out a Harry Potter book yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm talking... Are we talking statewide here? Are we talking county, city, town? Like, how, who is this person and how much clout does he have that he can get Harry Potter banned? Uh, apparently the state. He what took state? it out the entire state. It's in the Bible Belt, dude. Preacher people have a lot of power down there. Yeah, that's true. I and mean, that's insane. Yeah, he, he got it taken out. Well, this, here's a... Here's what really gets me, of course. It's after he says, it teaches children real magic. Here's my counter argument. Wingardium Leviosa. <laughs> that spell, they go into in the movies and in the books, but we're going to you know, talk about the movies here real quick because everybody's more familiar with that. In the movies, they actually, like, discuss the proper casting of Wingardium Leviosa. You know, like, Deeply. Ron's walking there. It's, it's Leviosa. Leviosa. Not, not Leviosa. Exactly. You know, flick and switch, they go through the, the teaching classes and shit. I would think that within the last, I don't know, 10 years, you would have a lot of millennials and Gen Z kids running around with fucking pencils, levitating the shit out of everything. And consider, if you could just wave a pencil at somebody and say, Avada Kedavra, I think the murder rate would be skyrocketing. Yeah. We would be more worried about, you know, sticks with, I don't know, like, wormwood cores in them than we would guns. Because people would be killing the shit. I mean, a vaticadaver somebody's ass. It doesn't leave ballistics behind. You know, what are they going to do? Check for shells? No. You got a vaticadaver. Or squil... Or was it splunching or squilching or... Squilched, I think. Yeah, squilched. You know, there would be, like, trauma all over the place with some of the more aggressive spells. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever Snape's uh, cutting that he used. Sectum Sempra. Was that it? No. Yeah. No. Because it, it was a silent spell. It was basically just a, a air knife. Oh, yeah, he had the feet for it. Yeah. He had the feet for a silent spell, so he could cast it. He could cast that spell, but it was at one level higher. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pathfinder rules. Hmm. The part... The part... The part <laughs> so much stupid, okay? Just, yeah. So, and what I really am getting on with all of this as part of our introduction is it seems that there's always some group out there who has no fucking clue. And they just jump in and start talking shit about some kind of fandom or some kind of group. And, you know, gamers yeah. have been a target for a long time. And they have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. It's like this dude, uh, back when I was doing MySpace, he went off on, like, how different groups of goths exist. And then he, like, went over, like, his guidebook and it read more like some sort of witch hunt book. You know, he's like, ooh, there's Nazi goths and death goths. And he's like, how do I identify them and all this shit? And I'm like, are you fucking serious, dude? Yeah. You, people, what do you have as a basis for your, your testing the, here? The basis is, I think people, they just want scapegoats. You know, it's, the more things change, the more things seem, or stay the same. You know, but, I mean, back when Columbine happened, you know, I... I you know, people were blaming everything left and right. You know, oh, it was you know Marilyn Manson. Oh, it was you know video games. It, it was it was Doom. You know, because like I think. The... Well, yeah, they were blaming video games, and yeah. like you, like you just said, things. Uh, the more they change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. And back then, we had that motherfucker Jack Thompson. Oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah that guy. <laughs> and then you know, it just moved up to Anita Sarkeesian. So it went from video games make people violent, deviant, sexual retards. Yeah. And then Anita Sarkeesian walks in and says, "Oh no, it just makes them all violent sexists." Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, and as much as me and Kazar can go around about this, you know, Trump also had to jump on the bandwagon going, oh, it's Doom and all these violent video games. And I'm like, hey, 
go back to your uh, thing and do some more fake and bake there, Orange Man, because, you know, <laughs> I, I don't care, man. I get four good years of memes, maybe eight. Yeah. yeah. But stop blaming video games for fuck's sake. Orange Man did a bad. Orange Man did a bad. <laughs> yeah. Lots of other things, too. Uh, you know, and we'll, This isn't the political podcast. And you know, right? I, like, I think, you know, when uh, another article like this came out a while ago, and I don't think it's the same article, because I saw this, like, several months ago, but it was a picture of the first game of Pong, right? How does that make people violent? Except and it was live. captioned explicitly, Introduction of Violence to Mankind, Colorized. Yeah. yeah. Pong was in black and white. It was, and the picture was, too. <laughs> it's just... And I do like one of the counter-arguments people come up with on the internets, of course, when something like this happens. And, you know, it's like, well, what was Stalin's gamer score? <laughs> right. When Mao Zedong decided to start becoming Mao the Butcher in China, I mean, what was he doing on the side? Was he, like, giving these great, awesome speeches and then turn around and fucking around with his Game Boy? Yeah. Right? Or, or uh, Pol Pot. Yeah, you know, Pol Pot. Yeah. Until the know, Hun. Is it, you know, some Native American stuff, like, um... Native Americans? Oh, dude, there was a lot of violence going on in that era. Like, colonial times? Holy shit, Kaz, you just went there. Most people won't even talk about how much uh, violence Native Americans would do against each other. Or how about my ancestors, the Aztecs, how they had this continuous slaughter of surrounding tribes, and they pretty much were poised to move farther north than most anyone gives them credit. And all you can sacrifice buffet down south of the border, yeah. Can I just say, like, a interesting little historical side note is the reason for that and uh, the reason why the Aztecs did last as long as they did was because a lot of the um, native tribes in the kind of uh, Central South America really didn't have um, I'm not it's not so much that they didn't have the concept of they just didn't really have much of a need for any sort of military I mean they had soldiers but you know it wasn't there weren't any like big what we would consider military powers. Well, the way they did war the, was way different than we did. Yeah, but what I'm saying, the Aztecs, that was kind of their thing, where they actually did have, you know, kind of big, kind of a warrior culture, and that's why they were able to uh, be dominant for so long. But anyway, um, you know, semantics aside, it's like, I think we should clear the air a little bit, because, you know, the, uh, there were studies done, like, video games, they don't make people more violent, but... I think it was, like, UCLA or something. They did do a study where, you know, they had people play, like, um... I think it was Doom, actually. You know, some of those old first-person shooters. And, you know, it did make the people who played it more violent. But, you know, they had them, like, hooked up all the wires on their heads and on, like, taking their pulse and stuff like that. But it did trigger, like, um, something in their brain that did make them more, um competitive, like an aggression in like a competitive sense, you know what I mean? You think more businesses would support that then, because... Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. back in the 80s, you know, part of the required reading for yeah. being in big business, especially in New York, was the art of war. Yeah, I think it's, you know, I think video games, they can maybe uh, definitely rile people up, but not, you know, I, I, not to the degree that the media says that they do, where they go out and, you know, yeah, for example, harm others. Yeah, for example, I am not, you know, I can load up Serious Sam or another, like, really gory, violent first-person shooter video game, Yeah, and I've actually done this to avoid beating the shit out of people. Ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah, most people That's use a, it as a form of therapy. Yeah. Yeah, it is catharsis. It is very cathartic. Well, I mean, just... then you also have, uh, and, you know, not getting all anecdotal and everything, but, like, Brittany Bebo, uh, she was uh, a guest on one of our uh, little fireside chats at Radcon a while back, yeah. and she used it as a form of therapy. 
Yeah. You know, she sat down with a bunch of other gamers and they were doing gaming for therapy. And this has been shown many times. This isn't anything new. They've actually had people with learning disabilities who had antisocial tendencies get together, roll dice with pre-made characters, go through a dungeon, defeat monsters. And they showed that these people have marked improvements over time. They've also shown with certain tests that, like, say, Tetris, one of my favorite games that is a go-to. Yeah. They threw Tetris in a Game Boy, gave it to a bunch of old people, and their cognizant abilities were actually increased. They had an increase in heart rate, and short-term memory was starting to improve. Yeah. And, you know... Tetris is fun, by the way. It is. I love me some Tetris. Um, Other games, like D&D, has been used in prisons to try to help rehabilitate some of the more... Uh, egregious offenders, some of them, and it, it, it's very spotty where this is. It is it, spotty, but it shows they ban uh, they ban stuff like that because it's escapism, and they're supposed to be in prison, so they don't like people having that way to mentally step out. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of fucked it, up. I mean, it, I guess it's the sort of but... it, it's the sort of thing that's like I think it's done within certain groupings of criminals. Yeah. Like the non-violent types or something mm-hmm. like that. What prison system was that in? Was that in American prisons that they were doing that? I've seen it, I've seen a couple of stories, uh, but I don't know where or when those were done. Okay. I, I, I want to look that up now. That, that's, interesting. that's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about gamers, and right now, I mean, this is like the golden age of gaming to a degree. I mean, we've got a lot of fucking assholes on one side of the fence. But on the other, you know, it's kind of been proven now that not all gamers are wimps who sit around drinking Mountain Dew, eating Doritos in a basement. Yeah. Uh, Most of the time, it's not. Well, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe the beneficial to our listeners, I mean, granted, they probably already know. Maybe we should start out with just saying, what are some, like, nerd stereo or geek stereotypes that you guys hear every day, you know? Ha! LARPers are all fat dudes who dress up in really shitty costumes made out of foam and uh, fucking trash bags with duct tape on them. Yeah. I <laughs> That's that I been there, done that. No. Although I've known a bunch of LARPers, these are the kind of guys you know. Once they like get out of their shitty costumes, they're actually not overweight fat people. They're dudes in leather jackets who will beat your ass if you look at their old lady the wrong way. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Gamers or games destroy mental capacity, and everything I've seen says that is wrong. Yeah, every study I've seen says otherwise. Yeah, every study like I've seen studies that have said. Um, put in a test chamber, or put to the test, uh, gamers have faster and more accurate decision-making yeah. than your no, your standard non-gamer. And your, hand-eye coordination. And hand-eye coordination and problem-solving, communication. Like, problem-solving is the big one, really. Yeah. It's that rapid snap decision of... This is the right course and well, following. I, imagine how many different skills you're employing while being the game master of a game, and it gets hot and heavy in a combat situation, and you got six people sitting there, and they're all on the ball. They all know what they want to do next action sequence, and you're r- running the combat scenario. You have to keep track of the numbers of the creatures that you're running, make snap decisions as to the tactics the creatures are running, predict what tactics the players are going to be making, while simultaneously having six people talk at you at the same time. Or pretty damn close. You know, yeah, or pretty damn close, and being able to filter which information is being processed from the people talking to you at that time. Yeah. As well as comparing the numbers they give you against the numbers on in your head. Yeah, plus you're doing math mentally at the same time. Yeah. On yeah. like three facets. Yeah, I mean, you did a lot of multitasking at that point. Yeah, I mean, hell, wasn't uh, Magic the Gathering like the guy who initially created it? He, he, like, he made the game to help his 
kid learn math better in school, right? Like he just made it up as like a fun little game to help his kid get through his uh, his his like well, basic yeah, maths. It, it was very simple numbers when it started out. You know, yeah. you got basically zero through nine for power and toughness. Yeah. And whenever there's an attack or defense maneuver made, you're basically doing simple math every time. It's just yeah. subtraction. Yeah. yeah, subtraction on both sides. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you know, like I myself, I've learned like my mom credits my math skills with cribbage, which is not necessarily a gaming game, but it is a math hey, game. Hey, we all start somewhere. Uh, it is to the right people. And my reading abilities to Pokemon, because early in the card game, yeah. that was a big thing. Like, I I remember building decks of, comp- of um, various elements and their weaknesses, because I figured out the triangle. Okay. I figured out the triangle real quick. Yeah. So... Therefore, me having the thing and the thing it's weak to means that whatever they have, I have a counter to. Mm-hmm. Blessmas, what are some stereotypes that you hear? Oh, yeah, especially working with a lot of people who are older than both Goblin and the rest of us. Um, Fucking boomers. <laughs> that um, boomer. So a lot of them are like, oh, well, you're just you're wasting your life. You're just sitting there, and it's like, that that's the main one I get from them is that any kind yeah. of gaming is just wasting your life and wasting your time. I get that one a lot. <laughs> um, well, and I to would... that I say a lot more. We've spent time in whole other you know fantasy realms, whatever problem solving. That, that's all it is. Like you can put D and D down on your like resume, resume saying that you know oh well I meet up with a group of people every couple of weeks and we run through you know a couple hours of scenario based problem solving. You know. Yeah, and it's a thing where you learn the human interaction, and people who play D&D, especially us, like, we end up expanding our friend circle, because you can just walk around, and you start talking to someone about D&D, and you'll find, like, five, six, seven people in a lot of different scenarios, not just at con, not just in a game store, where they just start talking about it. Yeah. And, you know, I'm also going to point this out. If you're wasting time, time spent enjoyed is not wasted. It's true. Yeah. I mean, you only get so much time in this life, and if all you're doing is being serious for all that time, then... All work and no play makes Johnny work... a dull boy. Yeah, that's right. Plus, I mean, how is it wasting my time when I'm playing a game? And even if the history of the game world is fictional, and we touched on this in the past with the Elder Scrolls, yeah, we have entire debates online as to certain aspects of, like, say, Elven Lineage. Yeah. You know, there will be huge debates, and in some other games, uh, when you're playing those, like, uh, especially, like, uh, Dungeons & Dragons has a tendency to do this, is they'll base some of the myth lore off of real-life myth lore, myth lore, or you look into real-life history, and then you get to delve into that and be like, well, actually, this uh, part of the race is actually based off of this little subgroup of this real-life culture. Yeah. And then at the same time, you know... You, kind of like, how is it wasting my life when I'm actually delving into the actual intrinsic mechanics of a game and looking into the lore, and then at the same time, I'm studying real-life history. Yeah, it opens up other channels for you to learn about, you know, things that happened and impacted our life, you know, IRL. Well, learning is <laughs> yeah. learning is one of those things that's done best when it's interesting. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, um, let's take Age of Empires or Age of Mythology. Yeah, yeah. Both of those are really, really good old-time strategy games that tell you bits of history as told representative of the cultures that they're playing as. Like, uh, I think the French campaign in Age of Empires 2 or 3 
has a, a section on Joan of Arc. That's the whole campaign, is her journey throughout France and that Revolutionary War. Joan of Arc came from the Alsace-Lorraine region. Patron saint of France. Totally wasn't a German. I mean, all the same. Totally wasn't a German. You know, <laughs> but you I know, hear this is this is something that happens, right? Sorry, this France is a point of knowledge. You know, Joan of Arc had a lot of struggles throughout yeah. this whole sh ordeal, and you know, you as the player get to command her forces as yeah. she goes through them, so you understand this experience. And uh, Age of Mythology has a section that is the Iliad. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little sidebar here real quick because actually I just had something popped in my mind. So. And I just got to know, so I'm going to just ask for a show of hands around the table and then tell our audience, you know, how many hands are actually showing. Of the four of us. Of the four of us sitting around the table. Uh, so, Blasphemous, you've been playing Dungeons & Dragons for how long now? Uh, going to be five years in two months. Five years in two months. Uh, you're pretty new there, Moniker. How long would you say you've been playing? Um, Traditional tabletop, uh, probably... Are we including wargaming in this? Oh, no, we're just going on straight, just dice rolling games. Straight, straight dice rolling games. Tabletop, uh, RPG. tabletop Then about a year and a half now. About a year and a half. Okay, yeah. Kaz? Um, it's probably closing on 15, 16 years. Okay. But a lot of that was off and on. So between the four of us, we're looking at a... a I'm just going to round it up to 50 years. Yeah. Of, of solid game time played between the four of us. Now, let's see... Can, uh, Moniker, you'd still be really on the new par. You'd be around mid-range. You're still... Newish. Newish. And, of course, I would be Grandmaster at this point in time uh, if the rumor was true, the misconception. So I'm going to ask for a show of hands here. How many people have learned any real spells from playing D&D? <laughs> so go ahead. Raise your hand at any time. Have you learned any spells? Have you learned Magic Missile, Prestidization, Heat Metal, uh, Clone... Raise dead, stinking cloud. Anybody? I mean, stinking I, I, cloud. There, is there's plenty of spells out there. Well, he's the stinking cloud. That's more biological. <laughs> um, that's not casting spells. He's not wiggling his fingers when he does that. He does make a grumpy face, <laughs> but I don't think that counts as real spell casting. And I should know. I got 25 years under my belt now of rolling dice. So, just anytime anybody wants to raise their hand that they've learned a real magic spell from playing D and D, because. D&D actually gives you, like, all the stats and things and, and the supplies that you need to cast a spell. So, you know, for, like, Fireball, you're going to need Bat Guano or for and an electricity guano spell. And oh, yeah, Bat Guano and Sulfur. Uh, for an electricity spell, you're going to need, like, a Brass Ring. So they tell you what you need to be able to pull these spells off, and you know, and some of the rituals and demonic names and the Fiend Folio. So anytime you guys want to just step up and admit that you've learned any magical spells, anybody... Let's give it 30 more seconds. Um, Mirage? Anybody? Uh, oh, I, I learned... I, this I, guy's I, self? No, I, I did learn a spell. Oh, you did? Yeah, um, it's a really powerful one and very dangerous magic. It's called Drain Wallet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I so, learned Drain... No, Gabe, Newell, Gabe Newell's got you beat on that one. So, <laughs> so we got four people here with about 50 years of accumulated actual playtime at the table. Playing Dungeons and Dragons, and I've been playing since AD&D. Uh-huh. You know, and actually, I did play a little bit before that when they still had uh, racial languages. You know, elves can only speak to elves for some fucked up reason. <laughs> what about alignment languages? Oh, alignment tongue fucked me in the goat ass. Keck. 
That was horrible. No, we got, and none of us here have learned a fucking magic spell. You know, I could use some magic in my life, really. I mean, charm person? Oh, oh my god. That spell, I would use at work constantly. Just be like, go away. Charm person. Go oh, away. Oh, dude, you wouldn't even need charm person. You just need suggestion. Or, or suggestion. Give me a raise. <laughs> suggestion. Give me another raise. I'm suggestion. Need a day off. Suggestion. Need a day off. Suggestion. Uh, I have more time off than you have put down on my paperwork. Better fix that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the spells in D&D, I would just, especially the charm school, I would brutalize that school for my own benefit. <laughs> but I have learned jack shit. I've also used to watch Harry Potter. And, you know, I mean, whatever. It's, it's a decent enough show in its own right until the uh, writer, if she is the writer, uh, that's... Rowling. Rowling. Yeah. I, JK. JK. <laughs> Uh, if Joe has actually written her books and, you know, described how to cast all these spells and all this neat shit, I would think that I would have learned something from watching all seven of the movies back-to-back -back constantly for an entire winter. Ooh, here's a point. Taking the Harry Potter mythos. Huh. If that were the case and she was actually trying to teach active magic, it would have been squelched and edited by the magic community. Well, according to some guy down in the southern states, <laughs> he the does not believe that. Teach real magic, and this takes me all the way back to the Satanic Panic of the eighties. Oh, right? how yeah. were the eighties? The Satanic Panic. I the eighties were yeah. fucking awesome. <laughs> it was the last decade that mattered. <laughs> you know, before you go into that, can I uh, just take a moment to say my stereotype? Okay, your stereotype. Go for it. And I'm gonna sound like a real, like a real prick here, but I'm gonna say it. Stereotype that a lot of geeks tend to be like smart people. Some of the dumbest fucking people I've met are geeks. Uh, yeah, they're hyper specialized can... in one yeah, area of it... focus and zero. Yeah, and you know I'm anything. Well, else. here's my counter argument for that. Okay, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Um, you know, Just because it's... you're smart doesn't mean you have good decision making yeah, no, or it's... good reaction time or good anything else. Yeah, and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna pretend like I'm some sort of intellectual or any shit like that. I'm not. But I'm talking about like, was I, that their college boy? Oh god, no, 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 no. It's um, but I, I mean, I'm talking about people where I've met some gamers where it's just, dude, like, no offense, but how in God's name do you function? <laughs> what is your major malfunction? Yeah, you know, actually, you know, that is a. a we're going on misconception, but there is actually a legitimate conception. Yeah. And that is, a lot of gamers don't understand this thing called taking care of oneself. Are we talking about the hygiene? H word? We're talking about hygiene. So, yeah, yeah when you're I standing in line at con, yes. and you want to uh, throw soap flakes on everyone just because it'll make them have to shower. Look, man. Spokon had a great time. I'm not going to describe just in case maybe they do listen. But there was a couple there, maybe you guys know who I'm talking about. They had... They left a trail of stench. I showered, sir. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> All of us showered at least yeah. once while we were at college. Yeah, because we, we are responsible But these nerds. people were wearing multiple layers, and I was just sitting... Um, I think I was just playing some Pokemon Go on my phone, and it was taking some downtime in the uh, kind of the foyer upstairs. And they walked by, and 15 minutes later, I'm still getting this Nurgle's blessing just under my nose, yeah. man. It was just like... D deodorant? <laughs> I, I was trying to be polite, because I know I'm in a, in a public God, space, damn. and like I'd go outside and I'd puff yeah. up a smoke. 
And normally when I came back in the building, you know, the first thing I do is I go in the bathroom to wash my hands. Yeah. Yeah, just because I know it's going to linger on me. So yeah. nine times out of ten, I just go wash my hands to help reduce it. But there was uh, one cosplayer there. Every time they walked past, you know, they were leaving like the Tron Trail from the motorcycle race. That's it. I think we're talking about the same yeah. person here. There, yeah. there was like a wall, a barrier, dude. And I was like, oh, I got to turn my fucking light cycle off to the side real quick. Because, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's also, you know, I've heard plenty of tales that I've encountered a bunch of gamers. There are dudes, you know, who have not dandruff, but like literal like chunks of skin coming off the top of their head. Yeah. Like, it's like they've got cradle cap just busting apart still, and they're they're like thirty something. I was like, dude, just shave your head or something, or or get some sell some blue in there, or some head and shoulders. <laughs> and, and I do recall there Maybe was sometimes uh, when we were working at the uh, well, when I was working at the shop, and you were still a customer there, and probably me as well. We would have like this one dude, like we slicked him, dude. We like fucking crept up on this guy with a bottle of Febreze and just kept spraying until he was all glossy like his shirt was all shiny and it was dripping down his back and it's still not really helping all that much <laughs> oh dude there have been times we used to do overnights at the shop and oh my god like I would sometimes leave to go and wash up you know go into the bathroom military shower you know pits junk you know face pitch private next yeah and still there were some people that oh Oh, God. And their hair was always wet, and I was like, why? Yeah, I I didn't mean to derail it and, you know, bring up the negative stereotypes of gamers that are No, no, true. actually, no, this is true. This is good, because but. we're actually talking about some of the, the true things, and they're going over, yeah. and, like, everybody seems to be, like, willing to jump into a misconception yeah. that gamers are all overweight, uh, they've got just the nerdy... Well, like, just because they, you... Well, they've got that nerdy anti-social skill. Okay, like, there, no nerd can talk to a woman at all for some strange reason. Uh, sorry, all nerds, like, will run out. And, like, the moment we fucking didn't get one achievement in one of our favorite games, we're sitting there and we're playing, like, Luigi's Manor or some shit. Didn't unlock a door. Oh, it's time for a shooting spree. Yeah. It's like, all, the, and they all keep going over and over about how every video game is, like, some sort of murder simulator. Yeah. When every time there's a... Um, a study done on this, and even Penn and Teller did a show on their TV show Bullshit. Yeah. You know, they showed that it has no correlation. There's no causation, no correlation between violence and video games. People who are going to commit violent acts will just fucking do them. It's the same thing as people who want to commit crimes. Don't give a shit about the law, so you can keep piling laws on top of doing stuff. Yeah. And all it does is punish the law-abiding citizens. And so, Doom, Turok... Duke Nukem, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat, none Combat of these Mortal. Combat Le Motel. None of these games encourage people to go out and actually fuck somebody up. They may think it's cool. They may talk about it amongst friends. Sure, but ninety nine percent of the time, when they show somebody's like playing violent video games, they are way more chill than the alpha chads out there who don't play video games because the alphas they don't work the shit out of their system. Yeah, and you know we're going to bring this well, also. Those people like. Yes, you will get frustrated. You will get sucky lag. Yeah. You will get bad teammates. You will get people who just camp at base and bang, bang. Oh, hey, he popped up. Bang, bang. Oh, hey, he popped up. Bang, oh, yeah. bang. Corpse campers. The yeah. worst. Yeah, and here's the thing. Like, don't get me wrong. There are dysfunctional gamers, you know, who do kind of fit the, you know... Motif. The, the motif. But I... They are the, the minority. Rest, they, they are the loud minority. They are, the, they minority. are the minority. Yeah, they're the minority. And the rest of us who actually have our heads screwed on all the way, we're kind of good at telling them to fuck off. Like, 
Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's really funny. Like, uh, this dude I know, actually one of our new subscribers. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we've actually got two new subscribers on YouTube this week, and let's, the other metrics are looking pretty good, guys, too. let's give them an applause right now. All right, let's give them an applause. Thank you for joining the Blunt Forces Gamers. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, me and him, we agree on one thing. And we discussed this, like, back-to-back kind of sort of. We hadn't been communicating at that point, but he chimed in. And I'm like, yeah, you go, dude. Same thing here. Yeah. And this goes on the whole, you know, gamers are sexist misnomer that... Oh, yeah. You know, oh, all dude. gamers, for some reason, want to just slap chicks around for no good reason or dress them up like anime waifus. I and mean, the fun part is, um, when we're playing games like Fallout, where you can customize and create your own character, yeah, uh, Saints Row games, any game where you can really create but, your own character, yeah. we tend to play female characters, right? But here's like, the reason. <laughs> we, we are hardcore gamers, okay? When we sit down to play a game, it's the rest of the evening gone. Yeah. Fuck the rest of real life. I have a day off. I'm playing a video game, and I'm going to be binge playing today. Yeah. Yeah. That's and if like I'm me. binge playing... In third-person camera view, I want to see a woman's derriere on the screen for that six hours that's actually pleasant to look at while I'm destroying the shit out of orcs yeah. or super mutants or whatever. Yeah, and can I just say, and this goes both ways, can we just assume people can, you know, um, be sexually attracted to members of the opposite or, hell, even same sex and not be a sexist person? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that's, that's a big one. Well, and and the fun part is, not only do I like looking at it, but, you know, there, you know, we can have that, you know, gay-straight argument as to, you know, guys playing female characters in video games. Yeah. Is it gay? Whatever. No, it's not, because yeah. I, I, you know, growing up as a kid, I did not like dressing up Ken dolls. It just felt weird to put clothes on a, a image of a dude and be like, yeah, he looks good. Yeah. Yeah, versus, you know, and, you know, uh, Goblin brought up this point about you know coercing folks to dress up as waifus. I don't know about you guys, but gamer relationships are freaking solid because we're willing to do crazy things. Every, every gal that I've gotten somewhat flirtatious with in any uh, setting, whether it's in Discord or actually in game, and we start talking like flirtation and shit. 99.9% of the time, she's the one who goes, oh yeah, I like to dress up in sexy cosplay at home for my boyfriend, or I'm looking for somebody who would enjoy that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's not the dude initiating these conversations most of the time. It's not the guy walking up and be like, hey, it'd be great if you dressed up as B9 so we can you know, bump uglies. Yeah. Usually she's the one who already has to get up. She's like, I wear it to cons, but you know, I'd like to wear it at home you know, for some private time one of these days. And it'd be like, yeah, she's I'm down. Like, sign me up. Yeah, sign me or the Or when fuck she's up. like, hey, can you wear this Stormtrooper helmet, you know? Yeah, can you wear yeah, the Stormtrooper We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, well... Carry on, on. Yeah, well, Stormtrooper helmet I did not have, but Clown Mask I did. There you anyway. go. Anyway. Oh, Sam Harrison Ford. Call me Harrison Ford. <laughs> the, the, right? the, the, the funny part is, though, is like, a lot of these people equivalent gamers to, to being sexist. Yeah. And usually it's the females who are involved with gaming scenarios who do the cosplaying or go up wearing these slutty Link outfits and shit. Because they feel like it. Because they feel like it. It's not the guys going, well, I would enjoy hanging out with girls more if she dressed up like Tifa Lockhart. Yeah. You know, let's, let's be honest here. People are free to choose what they fucking wear, what games they like. I don't, don't, and don't like. And don't like, that's true. Yeah. And calling gamers sexist for playing a game that has a female character in it should... What the fuck? And it's you know, mind-blowingly dumb. And especially because 
most of us have a very healthy respect for the opposite gender, right? Like, it'll really rile me up seeing things like rape in video games. It annoys me, because it's like, I am not like that. That man is an asshole. What I'm going to go kick his ass. What, what video games have you played where there's rape in it? I don't know, uh, where there's Shota's involved? I... <laughs> yeah, we have to go there. I don't remember. It was it, like GTA is a, gr- a really good series for that. It's pretty well known for. Well, no GTA, you shoot the hooker when you're done to get a fr- instant rebate. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> right? That, but there are games out there that have implied rape, and part of the reason is the storyline is supposed to provoke and elicit a response to the player that oh that shit is wrong. Yeah. yeah. The way they present it in most games and the ones that I have played that have implied rape scenarios in it that's already baked into the game proper by the developers, not third hand or second hand mods. Yeah. Usually 99.9% of the time when they do this shit, it's supposed to be a commentary that's supposed to get you by the feels as a player. It's the same reason why in GTA they included a torture scene with Trevor Phillips. It was a commentary on how desensitized we are to people actually really... There was more of a response by gamers about this. About gamers who went through the motions of torturing some dude who's just... He's not even real. He's a fictional character. Not real. Fictional character. They go through the whole storyline and even Trevor Phillips makes commentary on it that is just above and beyond what his mental mindset should have been to illuminate the audience as to why this is wrong. And yet, at the same time, we're waterboarding supposed terrorists 163 times, and nobody gives a shit. Yeah, and you know, so it's pointing out the flaws in our, our. That's another thing. It's like games don't serve a purpose. I beg to differ. A game, you know, we've discussed problem solving, we've discussed reaction time, we've discussed you know quick thinking, multitasking, right? All the, reading, writing, math. Yeah. All of these are benefits that we have accrued from games just from around this table. Games also tell a story. And sometimes that story is not nice. It's true. Right? And and this is a reality that we have to face. The story is not always going to have a happy ending. The story is not always going to be pleasant or fulfilling or, you know, wholesome at all. Well, it's part of the whole uh, video games being art argument. Video games are art if they are thought-provoking. And Trevor Phillips doing what he did in that game was thought-provoking. Therefore... Uh, fucking Los Santos has the element of artistic merit to it because it does provoke thought. There are games out there that make you go, holy shit, I'm dealing with a genocidal dictator in Far Cry, right? You're dealing with a bad motherfucker, and it is thought-provoking to a degree when you talk about this shit with friends. So that makes it art. Right, like uh, Goblin has had discussions about the Elder Scrolls lore, right? The state of Kim. Yeah, Kim. You know what I think is a good thought-provoking one? Just a little plug. I know it's been out for a few years, and everyone probably already knows this, but if you guys haven't tried Spec Ops The Line, hmm. that's th- that one will get you thinking. And le- Honestly, that game left me kind of disturbed. Well, there are some of them out there right now uh, going on Spec Ops. There was one that opened up, and like it got people pissed. Which one? Uh, I can't remember the name of it right offhand, but you start off in like the early part of the game, you go through a scenario where there's just charred corpses everywhere, and of course today we're dealing with 4K graphics basically all over the place. Yeah. So the graphics were just top-notch in your face. It was practically the video game equivalent of Gore Gallery. Okay. You know. Yeah. But it was to illustrate that 
in war, you don't just shoot somebody and there's a body laying there. This was a white phosphorus attack. Yeah, that was Spec Ops line. Okay, that was Spec yeah. Ops. Yeah, yeah, that was that was the thing in the game is you know it 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 does take a lot of notes from you know um, Apocalypse Now, but there's this thing where you know. I forget the specifics, but it comes to the point where the character you're playing in his squad, they come down to a wire, they think they have, you know, like, the insurgents camp, so they call in a white phosphorus strike on it, they walk through it, and they realize it was a refugee camp. Yeah. But it and, also shows that in yeah. true detail what white phosphorus attacks would look like, and it's yeah. just, it's devastating. Yeah, it is. You know, war is not a, a thing, you know, where when somebody gets shot, they just fall down and, ooh, it's a body with a hole in it. Yeah. There are actual, like... Psychological repercussions. There are psychological uh, repercussions, and it is disgusting as fuck. Yeah, and I think... Let's, the... let's take a note here. This is called PTSD. Post- shell shock. Shell, shell shock. Post-traumatic stress disorder. I think... It is, yeah. it is a thing because, like, especially in militaries these days, the American military trains shoot first, ask questions later. And shoot accurately. So, you know, you're going to have a body count 30, 50 people high. And then when you get out of that situation, all of that killing is going to come down on you like a hammer. Well, it's, yeah. it's not just that. There's also the fact that growing up as children, we're told, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The you know, golden kill, rule. A golden rule. And, you know, killing is bad. Yeah. Killing is both bad and wrong. It is badong. <laughs> I had to go there, but we're we're taught, you know, you don't kill people, don't hurt them, you know, just do what other people would like you'd like to have them do to you, treat them with respect, and dignity, you know, if somebody's going for that last cupcake, let them have the cupcake, you know, because you'd want that to happen to you if it yeah. came turn around, and then you get into the military, and especially during the Vietnam era, this era is a little bit different, but on that notion, usually in the military, they, you know, they teach you. To shoot first, because the enemy is not going to hesitate if they see you as a bad guy. Dehumanization is part yeah. of the process of training. And then you get in this shoot first mentality. And then when you get out of the military after, you know, your four to eight years. Yeah. Uh, if you're not career anyway. When you get out of the military, suddenly all that training that you had to shoot first. They're like, oh no, now you have to go back and reset everything. And the adult mind is hard to reset. Yeah, it was... Um... <laughs> I actually did this for my research paper back in the spring, but there was this great book um, written by, oh, god damn, I forget his name, but he was like a lieutenant colonel, something like that. His name's on the tip of my tongue, but he, he wrote a book called On Killing, and, you know, he fought through, um, I want to say Vietnam through maybe Desert Storm, I think is when he was active. Yeah. And, you know, he was saying, you know, it's a big part of it because we are so, especially here in Western civilization, you know, programmed to, you know, turn the other cheek and, you know, offer forgiveness that, you know, the concept of killing is just so foreign to us. Yeah, that's exactly know? what I was just going and on. And so the, the only way we really could do that in that, and a lot of that sprang up, I think, in Vietnam. And I'm also just going to say none of us here at Blunt Force Gamers or ever in the military, we're just going off of... What we've read and what we know. And the closest we've... I am is a squid kid that went through my old man beating the shit out of me for five years. I'm not going to go, stolen by me. And yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to you know, claim anything. Yeah, we're not going to claim anything. We're, I'm we're not going to claim anything. I've just been through. That. Going on that, actually, yeah. you know, my dad was former military and he was a Navy DI. Okay. And as Kesker, you know, the whole shell shock PTSD thing. Yeah. 
when my old man came back to stateside from being in the military during the Vietnam that era, and he was the caretaker of me for basically through the years of 7 through 12, he was a, a Navy DI all over again. He was not my dad. I see. And he did, basically, he cut back once I started doing, uh, basically just running on my own, wearing uh, fatigues all the time. I was reading up on hand-to-hand -hand combat and carrying a knife everywhere I went. And I was excited about being able to learn how to field strip a gun. Yeah. And that's when my dad realized that he wasn't, you know, being a father to a son, he was just training another soldier. Yeah. And that's when he finally started letting off, is when I started walking around, you know, getting all teary-eyed while watching Full Metal Jacket and being like, that's where I want to be. Dad's like, mm, okay, going too far. Yeah. Uh, that's the closest to the military I've been, is five years of my old man making me peel potatoes and boot camp shit. But when he came back to stateside, he brought that back with him, and that's part of the reason why I have this perspective from my own point of view. That it is really hard to reprogram somebody who's been in the military and trained and trained others yeah. to fuck up other people's days. And video sometimes games permanently. And sometimes permanently. And going from this vantage point of my own personal view, and I know this antidotal evidence, so it's completely disregardable. Yeah. However, going on what I've observed the way my dad acted and other Vietnam vets, you know, when they came back stateside, they were trained, you know, shoot first. Charlie is out there. He's going to fucking ruin your day. Yeah. You got to take care of that shit. And it, it's, it's, it's a horrible situation to be in. And then when you come back home, this is the life that you lived for years. And they wanted you to go out there. They want, they gave you the gun. They gave you the tools. They gave you the equipment and the training and the training. And then there was legitimately somebody on the other side of that tree line who wanted to fuck up your day. Yeah. And so when you come back home, you know, you are going to be twitchy. And he had a lot of, uh, I dare say sympathy for the original uh, telling of. Uh, Is it a movie or a book? It's a movie. The uh, guy who played Rocky Balboa, Sylvester Stallone. Oh, right. Yeah, first, Stallone. okay. Yeah. First Blood. That's what I'm thinking of. He yeah. had a lot of sympathy Rambo. for Rambo in the First Blood because he understood that Rambo, when he came back stateside, he was still trapped in that mindset. And when the cops started coming at him, all he did, all the cop did, was take the place of the enemy half a world away. Yeah. You know, he was chasing this dude down in the forest. He was going after him with excessive force. And Rambo was still in that mindset that he's still in the jungles. Yeah. So that, you know, he, he couldn't quite... Lock himself out. Yeah. And I like the original ending was way more tragic and a lot more realistic in many regards. Yeah. Which so, was? Uh, he kills himself. Mm. He finally gets cornered and he just puts a gun in his mouth and ends it. But that didn't test well with audiences. I, I can imagine why. Well, it yeah. wasn't the 70s where you had those dystopian future sci-fis where yeah. you just die at the end. It still is the same thing, you know, the, in our, our American military. They get a lot of shit, and, but they also need a lot of help, and throwing more pills at them is not the help that they need. No. And these guys and gals, when they come back stateside, they're like... we. Everybody loves a soldier until they come home for some reason. Yeah. And, you know, growing up in a military household with the way my dad acted and some of the shit he told me about, I, from that perspective of my childhood to what's going on right now, video games are the furthest thing from murder simulators you can possibly ever fucking have. Yeah. I, I think that whole, that whole, and in, what you were saying, you know, everyone loves a soldier until they come home. It's kind of like what I heard on Sleepy Cats when they were talking about, you know, when they, uh, 
you know, kind of do nice things for, like, disabled people. Not equivalating, you know, soldiers to disabled people at all. It's just the mindset of, you know, I'm glad that's not me. Bless your heart, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. dude. I I understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it, that's terrible. Because, I, I mean, what... I can't think of a more patronizing, more condescending I, it's, way it's one of the reasons why uh, I support Black Rifle Coffee. Oh, yeah, what they do. I awesome. love those guys. You know, they bring in vets, you know, guys who have missing limbs from IEDs and shit. Yeah. Yeah, IEDs, yes. Um, mm-hmm. There's also, when we were at Spocon, to go loop back to them real quick, there was a flyer left around, and I got to contact these guys. It is an organization by veterans for veterans for gaming. Cool. So, that is dope. If, if gaming is so terrible, why would veterans who have gone over to the sandbox and actually thrown bullets at the enemy and had the enemy throw bullets back at them, why would they do gaming for therapy? Why would the Admiral at Radcon, who's a military guy himself, a jarhead, yeah. Uh, why would he be involved in a somewhat military-style scenario of LARPing? With a bunch of other guys who are also vets, and he still carries a lot of that like blasphemous nose. Mm-hmm. He still carries a lot of that military uh, air. swagger and that air with him. Yeah, what his mannerisms. He, his mannerisms, totally. That guy is awesome. He's he needs to learn how to chill out and have a beer occasionally, but he's awesome. <laughs> oh no, I caught him a couple times up in the room parties. He's, he's pretty good. Oh, okay. Uh, but the Admiral, you know, why would he do this shit? If gaming is so bad, why would veterans who he do can- LARPing? Uh, do, you know, military exercises basically in a LARP Star Trek scenario. Why would there be uh, game groups out there doing gaming for therapy for veterans? Yeah. You know, why would there be all these groups that are trying this shit out? Let's Play. The Let's Play Foundation is huge because they do a lot of therapy or funding of therapies for people who need it, right? Children or the elderly, or cancer research, or what have you. Hey, that's right. You know, old people say you're wasting your life when you're at work. Yeah. But if you started up a Let's Play charity, and it actually got, say, I don't know, a thousand people, mm-hmm. and a thousand people downloaded, say, two dollars each, that's two thousand bucks. How are you wasting your life donating two thousand bucks to St. Jude's uh, Children's Hospital? I know, from the right? community, not just from yourself, from the community. Yeah, from the community. How- yeah. I, I, how's that wasting your life? I mean, there are, you're right, Kazarkan. There are charity events out there who do shit like this. And they're, and they're well known, too. They're well known. How is that wasting your life to do something you enjoy and having a fan base who supports, you know, what you're doing and just freely giving you money to give to people in need? Yeah. Right? And, like, you know, gamers aren't, you know, this misconception that gamers aren't good with money for whatever reason, because they just stay at home. He's uh, not. <laughs> let's make a point here. Tre- tread lightly there, Cass. <laughs> so, <laughs> I missed something. I, I was looking down when I was putting something Oh, uh, he's talking about how there's a misconception that gamers are not good with their money, and then suddenly I thought about you <laughs> and buying boxes of magic. Yeah, years Time ago. In the past. When but, I spent $60,000 over the course of four years on Magic the Gathering. Don't ask me about me, wah. Yeah, it's exactly. <laughs> it's not so much that we're bad with money, it's that the economy makes it hard for us to live an enjoyable life. So, like, this, the stereotype of people living with their mothers, their parents, right? Their family home. This is a big thing. Lots of gamers live with their parents, live in the basement. They're that Dorito kid. Or dude, whatever. But the thing is, 
the, econ the economic status has changed several times. And we're stuck in the section before where we are. Okay, I, I can see some of where you're coming from that point. Looks like Blasphemous wishes to counter. Well, a, a big thing with it, because, I mean, I know you are, are really good with paying your bills and getting your fun game stuff on and living your best life with that, which is good. And I know I personally had issues, still sometimes have issues, with my money flow. And that's a lot of it because I didn't adapt well to living on my own once I got out of you know high school and college. Um, so I've been working on that. And in fact, of course, today I am broke, but that's because I had more bills on the first than I wanted. I'm trying to shuffle them to so they're on the 15th, whatever. So I'm working on getting my money situation corrected, and I've got a better job. But there are still nerds out there who are able to do that because a lot of us simply don't have to buy every special edition as I know you don't, you know, we, we don't need to buy every, you know, blacked out Planeswalker card or special edition box or the metal case fucking, uh, you know, Black Ops 37, whatever the hell it is, because we don't need that, but there are those of us out there who have that issue, um, I just but it's not so much the economy itself, it's the individual businesses are pumping out far too much product and needing far too high a price for it, which is on the individual companies, not so much as the economic whole. Wizards. Wizards of the Coast is a bad yeah. offender there because they have They're put a terrible out offender. I mean, they've saturated the market so much that it's almost not even worth buying their product anymore because all they're doing is just printing garbage. Pretty much. And that's the thing is they've put out more products. If you were to buy one of every product that came out in the year, like some people like to do, some people are financially able to do, most of us. Aren't. It would cost you, on an average income of uh, was it the national average is thirty thousand, something like thirty thousand, twenty-five to thirty thousand. It cost you approximately eight thousand dollars to get one of each version of the product that comes out. And well, I don't it's know not just you, that. That's like a quarter of the budget just by. And the it's at the same time, you know, whenever they put out a new edition of D and D, like some people are excited about fifth edition. You know, and of course, the corporate machine, and I've been inside some of the Watsi's uh, corporate meeting kind of stuffs. Uh, it's part of being an insider some days. Mm -hmm. Thank God I'm not part of that anymore because the way they are on the inside, they uh, it's it's very corporate. You know, they, they amp up their staff, you know, to say it's the greatest product ever. You know, of course, they amp up the customer base, and they say they're making all these great improvements and shit. But what it is, at the end of the day, is they're actually pumping out 5th edition because... 4th edition didn't sell so well, and even if 4th edition did sell well, they would still come out with 5th edition, and given a few more years, they're going to come out with 6th edition because all it is is a money-making machine. 2nd mm -hmm. edition AD&D did really well for almost 20 years without anything hickering and dickering with the system. Sure, they added on a bunch of books and a lot of expansions and shit. The core system remained the same from about 77 to 97. Nothing really changed. And 3.0, 3.5, and the Pathfinder systems are all really solid. Well, of course, until you get in the later books and you get power creep. Yeah, I mean... When However, you... they didn't need to add anything else. They could have kept reprinting the same books, or they could have just take the same uh, edition, retooled it, and said, look, here's the updated ed errata edition. Yeah. You know, and sold that, and it would still be somewhat compatible, so you could mix and match what rules work best for your group. But they're like, no, we're throwing all the rules out, we're going to sell 4th edition, then they're going to throw out all the rules again, and we're going to make 5th edition, and I bet you, bottom dollar, 
Within the next five years, we're going to hear about 6th edition. You know what that is? They hickoryed us, and they decorate us, and now they want to dock us. Ah, Alright. Ah, do you have to? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> he made me a Vegemite sandwich. I had to let him do it. <laughs> Vegemite is disgusting. On that so, the reason why gamers don't have much money is, again, saturation of the market, and... Like growing up in the 90s, you know, they're telling us they're printing all, everything all bold and new. They're marketing the shit out of stuff. Their advertising budgets are through the roof. Like we just saw for the new Magic the Gathering set. I showed all you guys the video earlier. That's like the original Shrek levels of production for a, what, three-minute commercial? Not even. I didn't even realize that was Magic the Gathering until the logo came up at the end, to be honest with you. Exactly. See, right. we're I, used I to the old commercials it. where they take the card arts and make them move a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I, I, I figured it out the moment I think it's Garuk yep. walked in the door. I'm like... Well, he's also in the him. opening sequence. He's the one in that um, cart shaking it because you see his face. Oh, I did not catch that detail. But, yeah. you know, I've seen it like eight times. It's yeah. funny. Like, the, you know, the thing is... Like, He's falling for the marketing. Well, like, it was an interesting fight, but if we're being honest, it doesn't actually have enough to make me buy the products. It doesn't tell me enough about the product. It's, it's, it's like when I go in to see a movie, and they show me a teaser trailer, I know everything I need to know about what they're teasing. I'm like, I don't need to see the movie now, because they showed me the teaser trailer. But in this case, they did quite the opposite. They show me a group and a bunch of dudes in white fighting the shit out of each other while cookie people run around. And it tells me nothing about the actual game, the actual myth lore. It's like, ooh, the fairy tales fight back. Well, what fairy tales are we talking about here? It looks kind of like they're going to do uh, Brothers Grimm style, which, uh, knowing today, is going to be the kidified version. Yeah, where it's practically Disneyfied. Where it's practically yeah, nothing it more than right, the Disney than, version. Yeah. yeah. I, I honestly thought because also because there was the rated TV ESRB logo before the trailer actually started, and then it focused so much on, you know, like the little cookie couple, I thought it was going to be like one of those, you know, limbo type games where, you know, the little princess cookie's trying to get her thing back. I didn't realize that was from Magic. I thought it was a game about little anthropomorphic cookies. <laughs> Which, Which would sound sounds really awesome. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, like, if that's what it would have looked like, that would have been fun, but I'm like... Then the magic logo comes at the end. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? That was Magic the Gathering? <laughs> right? It, it's, it's that doesn't look like Sarkon Vol. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. All I, all I was thinking of at the very end of it was, whoa, Strunk Cookie. <laughs> strong Cookie made of gingerbread. You have like a 1-1 one, one cookie woman trying to stab Garouk, a planeswalker in the eye. After he survived Liliana screwing him over. But hold on, she we... equipped the magic fork of power. Oh, I whatever. don't give if she had the magic tuning fork of power, or goddamn if she was walking around with fucking Pennywise the Clown in her backpack. Yeah, Garouk is the hey, planeswalker hunter. Just neither, uh, neither here nor there. The not, planeswalker you know, we get invested in these games because they are well done. And this, you know, this means that we are dealing with our emotions in ways that other people are not. Like, yeah, some are. people choose, you know, hiking or music or, um, I don't know. Miniature shipbuilding. Yeah. Spelunking. Spelunking. As their form of stress release. Gamers don't have to go that far by choice. We make the choice our computer, our console, our table. That's just as good. 
Yeah. And that that means that generally speaking, gamers are more adept at dealing with their own emotions because it's already going on in your head. Uh, All right. Well, we are at the time for final thoughts. Blasphemous has been quiet. Yeah, yeah, I've been a little bit out of it on this one because I pretty much just deal with the boomers at work just saying, oh, you're wasting your life, you're wasting your money. Um, but what I gotta say is, if you guys find a game or any of that and you get turned off because you hear about, you know, the, the myth of the people who play that or you get into a fandom and you see a bunch of stuff that you don't like and it's not from the fans themselves it's from like other people trashing those fans of something don't let it bother you you know what you make of you make your own fandom of a thing and don't worry about the outside you know if they want to say x y and z causes you know murder and mass shit and you just like no it doesn't because look at us we've never done that be the example of the gamer you want to be no matter what your fandom right uh what was it one of my friends posted on her Facebook wall it was like tabletop dice or virginity stones and my only comment was you do realize you live in an entire house of evidence to the contract contrary and are visited regularly by people who are also evidence to the contrary right <laughs> yeah, if gaming and, you know, nerd culture was such a virginity maker, I think Disney would have to rethink their whole MCU thing they've been doing for the last 15 years. Yeah. Because there are so many little kids right now buying nerd shit, and the parents are buying the nerd shit, and wearing the same nerd shit. I hate yeah. it. Yeah. I it's... hate it. <laughs> I know. It is. Uh, my final thoughts. It's ridiculous to think that these misconceptions are, you know, that these people are trying to pin the blame on gaming for yeah. this, that, the other thing in war. It's not. You, when when somebody gets not. to pinning the blame on the donkey, if they are in a group and identify as somebody in a group who is counter to the group that they are arguing against. So if it's like a preacher man, they go full circle here all the way back to the beginning of the podcast if it's a preacher man who has never played any video games, he's never rolled any dice, he doesn't watch them satanic superhero movies, so he has no inside knowledge whatsoever. If this is somebody who is completely unwilling because of the core of their beliefs, or the way they're raised, or what culture... Whatever. whatever if they are unwilling to dip their toes in the swimming pool and learn about it from the inside, even for an afternoon... All I can say to these people is shut the fuck up. Yeah. Second. If, you, if you're not even willing to dip your toes in and shake hands with the people that you are critiquing, you have no right to talk. You have absolutely no right if you've never rubbed elbows with these people, if you've never rolled dice, if you've never picked up a controller. If you can just stand there and point at something and say, well, that's all the world's problems right there without any inkling of understanding about it or any reading of true-to-life facts, these studies, these surveys, mountains of evidence from testimonials of people who have been in these programs for rehabilitation, mountains of evidence by scientific minds who have done uh, you know, testing on people with Down syndrome or geriatric people or at-risk youth. If you're willing to condemn all these people to hell and say that they're learning real magic or some other bullshit and you're completely unwilling to go into that 
room and look at these people and talk to them for just five minutes and learn what life looks like from their point of view? Like my old man would say, don't judge another man until you're willing to wear his moccasins for a mile. Yeah. If these preacher men or these lawyers like Jack Thompson or Anita Sarkeesian, who's a goddamn fake, she is wearing uh, sheep's clothing. So obviously. Well, we're not even going to get into that bitch. I wouldn't. I don't want to commit suicide, but I'm just saying. Allegedly, you know, she she, is she takes a photograph of herself, you know, like yeah. She took a photograph of herself with all these games that she played, but when she's put the task, she knows nothing about these games. She is obviously just wearing sheep's clothing. You know, so if these people are not willing to put on the shoes of their opposition or the people that are just claiming are their opposition, and actually, you know, interact with them for even an afternoon. They can just shut the fuck up, sit down, and be fucking quiet until they're willing to acquiesce and go, you know what, I'm going to check my arrogance and my ego just for an afternoon and find out, is what I'm saying right? Am I being true? Maybe if one of these people actually went down to a veteran's hall and watched them roll dice and talked to the veterans as to how much playing video games have helped them or how much rolling dice has helped them, or they went to a special kid's home, and talk to the actual counselors who are working with at-risk youth or working with children who are got that extra chromosome. You know, talk to these people who are professionals in the field and find out what they have to say. Or even fucking talk to Penn and Teller who are entertainers and did not want to show footage of a kid breaking down and crying after he fired a real rifle for the first time after playing so-called murder simulators. Yeah. They can just shut up. And that's my final words. So what Mr. Preacher Man out there whose name is even two below me in my less-than-humble sitting. Shut the fuck up, dude. Stop pointing your fucking finger and pr trying to play blame the, the fucking gamer, alright? Yeah. Turn off your blame thrower, sit the fuck down, and uh, maybe think about, you know, are you actually being a bigot yourself? You know? Really? Yeah. yeah. That's my final thoughts. Moniker, you're the last man standing. It's up to you. Oh, shit. You should have let me go before you, because now I'm going to end it on something stupid. Uh, because we talked about, you know, just not judging. Well, Moniker, if you're not willing to say anything smart, then shut the fuck up again. <laughs> no, I've also got a little bit more. You know, I'll, I'll say this, because I see some gamers give, you know... Can we stop shitting on people? who enjoy fantasy football. I'm not one of those people, but... Fantasy football is just D&D for jocks. Yeah, come on, man. That's it. You know, they're not harming anyone. They're having fun. Just let them fucking be. Otherwise, yeah. we turn into the bullies ourselves, and I don't want that. Right. I don't want that. Like, that's that's another good point, is, you know, one, learn to check your goddamn facts. Like Goblin said, ask people in the know. Find accurate sources of information, and be willing to trust them. Yeah. Don't just brush them off because you their their words offend your fifis. Fuck your fifis. Second, live and let live. All right. Chances are very good most of us gamers are live and let live, unless we've been playing a lot of games where we're constantly being shat on by the other team or our team. Then we start being a bit more aggressive about it. But Video games doesn't cause violence. Corpse campers do. <laughs> Lag causes violence. Lag. Yeah. Which has gotten better these days. Lag but... pissed me off so much back in the day. Right. Oh, sure. Blame your ISP. <laughs> Dude, there were people actually... Uh, there was a technique of ghosting. or I can't remember what that's... That was the Age of Mythology reference. Um, or Age of Empires. There, there was uh, one game... <laughs> just like fucking... 
You'd be playing against somebody, and they would just fucking teleport across the screen. You'd be like shit, just boom, 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 just gunning the shit out of you know. By the time you're done, their chest should look like bloody Swiss cheese. But for some reason, they wouldn't, and then they would teleport across the screen, like right up into the enemy camp tower or whatever, and just start shooting people and like get them winning. You're like, how the fuck? Well, it turned out the trick was is the person actually at his game console yeah. would unplug the um, IS, his uh, wire for his hardline. He'd unplug his internet, count to five, and then plug it back in. <laughs> <laughs> and since he lost internet connection, it made his character invulnerable temporarily. And then when he plugged it back in, it would update, and he'd be like halfway across the map. Clever girl. <laughs> it was a hell of a way to cheat. He's like. I pull the cord, I wait, count to five, plug it back in, right. get the win. It's people like that who make me angry and throw things around the house. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, they thought of it before I did. Yeah. The worst that we're going to do is we're going to damage something of our own and then fix it later. Yeah. Or pay to fix it later. You know, um, we're not going to go out and, you know, deck a motherfucker. You know what? There are enough times, you know, and gamers, especially when we uh, were growing up earlier in the days, uh, the newer games are, like, super fucking easy. Handholdy easy. These games nowadays are regressive on the scale of how much mental faculties and the ability to move your fingers fast enough compared to, you know, Super Nintendo days to a degree. Dude, yeah. Mario. You know, that first Goomba has a kill count. Insane. Back when I was playing my PS2 a lot, there was a line of controllers that was just starting to stack up. And after about the fourth time I Irish bullwhipped a controller off of my coffee table, I just, BAM! Controller shatters, and I'm like, fuck, that's 40 bucks. After about the fourth time, I counted it up, and I'm like, I should calm the fuck down. <laughs> and you know, gamers can be some of the most calm people after they go through two or three controllers. Can be. Can be. <laughs> just saying. On that light note, I say we call it, this is All Darth right. Blasphemous signing off. This is Game Goblin. I'm out. The Lord Dragon. Back to the skies. Moniker signing out. Huh. Colonel, now that that's over, where's my Mountain Dew and Doritos? I need to roll some dice. <laughs>